You know, the Greek gods were an interesting group of people, if you want to call them that. Uh, they were an interesting lot, we'll go with that. Uh, the Greek gods, they were, they were fashioned after humans. They had a lot of human attributes. They had a lot of human characteristics. And a lot of the things that, um, that us humans battle with, the Greek gods did the same thing. You know, the Greek gods, they were uh, highly emotional, and uh, they were they're volatile. They were always fighting with each other. They, they would uh, battle with each other. They were inconsistent in so many ways, unfaithful in other ways. They treated people irrationally and unfairly. Other times, they were jealous of each other. I mean, Zeus was many times unfaithful with his wife, Hera, who would then get back at Zeus or the, the, those that he was unfaithful with. They, they, were, they were just uh, an irrational group of uh, individuals and behaved in inconsistent and immoral ways on a regular basis. They didn't have a standard of morals as the Jews did. Uh, they, they just kind of did with whatever it is that they wanted to do. The Greek gods and the, the heroes, they were flawed, just like us humans. They weren't trustworthy. They might say one thing, but then do something totally different. They would oftentimes tell the humans that, that were worshiping them to do this or that, but then leave them hanging as they changed their mind and decided to go a different direction. The Greek gods were, were interesting, to say the least. But when we understand about who God is, the God of uh, the Jews, the God of Christianity, we discover that He is nothing like the, God of the or gods of the Greeks. You know, see where the, the gods of the Greeks, they were created by humans as a way to try to work through uh, understanding the world around them. But God of the Jews and the God of the Christians, He was not created by us, but He created us. God has revealed Himself, showed who He is and what it is that He is like throughout history. Most specifically, God has revealed what He's like through the Bible. That collection of ancient writings has repeatedly verified itself as something that is trustworthy. I mean, when you look at things like the, the sheer number of authors who were a part of writing uh, the, what we have in our hands today as the Bible, or the, the amount of time, the span of time in which the, the uh, Bible was written across, and yet through all of those different writers and that span of time, we catch the core teaching being held to throughout the whole pro process, throughout the whole time. Never once does the Bible contradict itself. It always remains true to that core teaching. And furthermore, archaeology continues to verify the stories of, that are found in the Bible. Ancient historians, furthermore, agree with and confirm the teachings, the stories, the events that happened in the Bible. The Bible has shown itself to be something that is trustworthy. You know, if, you, if you're familiar with who Chuck Colson is, I like one thing that he said is another way for us to understand the trustworthiness of the Bible and the God of the Bible. He had this to say. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact. Talking about the resurrection of Christ. He says, I know that the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed the, that truth for 40 years never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. 
You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. You know, the more that you study the Bible, the more that you realize that God must have been the one behind the stories. God must have been the one behind the writing of the Bible that we have today. God must have been there directing all of it. From discovering, or from that, we begin to discover that God is trustworthy because we come to understand that the Bible is trustworthy. You know, so far this year, to this point, we've looked at 16 different attributes of who God is. Each one has introduced us more to who He is, what He is like, helped us to understand better what our lives are to look like in response to who God is. Well, today we're looking at one more aspect of God. Where the Greek gods were anything but trustworthy, we come to understand that God is trustworthy. Where the Greek gods were constantly changing, we come to understand that God is constant. The attribute that we're looking at today explains what this is, and that is that God is faithful. God is faithful. And what that means is that God will always be true to Himself, His creation, and His people. God will always be true to Himself, His creation, and His people. So what does that look like? What does that look like for us today? Well, first of all, it means that God will be true to Himself. It means that God will never change. Who God was is who God is. And who God is, God will always be. What God has showed of Himself, revealed about Himself, throughout the writing of the Bible, throughout the the stories and the events, that took place there, God will always be that. He'll always be like that. This is a certainty for us about Him. So if you want to know what God is like, we look to the Bible. Because who God is there is who God is. God doesn't change. And from that, then, we discover that God is always true to Himself. Secondly, God will always be true to His creation. Sunrises, sunsets, those are constants for us. We never once worry, well, is the sun going to come up in the north today? No, we know. We know where the sun is going to come up. Now, science tells us as we we look at things that, well, it's because the earth is orbiting around the sun and the earth is rotating on its axis. That's why those things will always be that way. Well, that is true. There are other constants in the universe that scientists are able to utilize to be able to um, study the universe, for example. We have medicine because of some of these constants in the universe. We have electricity. In the winter, we have heat. In the summer, we have air conditioning. And on and on I could go. There are so many things throughout our universe that are constants. They are not changing. And because of that, we can discover more about our universe that God created. But you ever wonder why those things are there? It's not happenstance. See, the Bible teaches us that God sustains all things. He created all things and He sustains all things. Everything is created by or because of God's character, who He is. Well, God is faithful. That means that God never changes. So as we look at the universe around us, there are some constants that we can look at because God is faithful and never changing. But it also means that what God has said will be. What God has said will happen, it will happen. 
It's not a question of will it happen. No, if God said something, it is a guarantee it will happen. It might not happen how we think it should happen. It might not happen when we think it should happen, but it is a guarantee that it will happen because God is faithful. Third, God will be true to his people. Christians can find this as a tremendous confidence and comfort in life because of that reality that God will be true to his people. Unlike the Greek gods, God is faithful, and his people can find comfort in that reality. Deuteronomy 7 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God is a faithful God. So let's take a look at this attribute of God. Let's take a look at God's faithfulness as it applies to a few different categories of people. First category of people is for the person who hasn't yet decided to follow Jesus. For the person who hasn't decided to follow Jesus, let me, let me just say this to you. God is faithful. God is faithful. And in that, that means that God's justice will never diminish. Sin must always be taken care of. It must always be dealt with. God's justice demands that reality. All wrongdoing, all sin, it must be dealt with. God won't turn a blind eye to sin. He won't look the other way because that will go against His character. Sin is about rejecting God's love and not loving Him in return. See, Christianity isn't a religion with a bunch of rules to obey in order to be saved. Christianity at its core is about loving God in response to His love for us. Because God is faithful. We have to realize this reality that sin, therefore, must be dealt with. The very next verse from what I read a moment ago goes on to say this, but those who hate Him, that is, those who hate God, but those who hate God, He will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate Him. See, if we, if we don't love God, then it means that we hate God. This isn't on a sliding scale here of how much it is that we love God. God doesn't sit up in heaven and and ask us the question or consider, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they love me? It doesn't work that way. We either love God or we hate God. There's not another option in there for us. It is only one of those two options. And if we hate God... God has promised to deal with our hatred of Him. Because God is faithful, He will always punish sin because it is a rejection of His love that He has for us. And this is is a reality even for the person who does not believe that God exists. Let me explain it this way. Let's say over the winter... I want to choose to uh, believe that my utility bill does not exist. Think about that for a moment. I mean, I could choose to say my utility bill does not exist. Therefore, I will not pay it because it doesn't exist. I guarantee this reality. There will come a day when I go to turn on my lights, they won't be there. 
I'll have no power. My house will be getting cold because I chose to disbelieve a reality. I guarantee that the utility company is faithful in getting their money one way or another. See, even if a person does not believe that God exists, that doesn't make him not exist. It doesn't diminish God in any, any amount. God is still God. He still exists, even if we want to choose to believe that He does not exist. Even if somebody doesn't want to acknowledge Him, it's still true. For the atheist who says there is no God, God is still faithful. At the end of every human life, there will be a reckoning. There will be a time uh, will come for every human being that will have to give an account for their life. And if we have chosen in life to reject God's love and not love Him in return, then we will have to give an account for our life. We will have to stand before God, kind of like I was talking about in the communion thought there, that we are on death row. And we will have to pay for what we've done for our hatred of God with our own life. Whether we believe God exists or not, that doesn't matter in this. Every human being will have to give an account for their life. And if a person is outside of a loving relationship with God through Christ, their sin will have to be dealt with by them. And again, it doesn't matter whether somebody believes in God or not. This is a reality. God, you see, is faithful, even to those who reject Him or don't believe in Him. God doesn't change. Now, a different category of people, for the people, for the person who has chosen to follow Christ, let me tell you this, God is faithful. God is faithful. For example, as a way of understanding His faithfulness a little bit better, God's goodness, you see, is always good. There's never a time when God's goodness is not good. We don't have to worry that one day God won't be good to us. And it doesn't matter whether we feel like He is being good to us. The reality is God is always good. Always. And furthermore, this is a reality even for the person outside of Christ. God's goodness is always good. Psalm 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. God's goodness is seen in many ways in all of life by all people. Here's an example. The very breath we breathe is a gift from God. Even life itself is a gift from God. I mean, think of it this way. What is it that you did before you were conceived to earn life? Last time I checked, none of us existed before we were conceived. From conception to death, life is a gift from God. It's an example of His goodness expressed to us. Nothing we earned deserve caused us to deserve life for believers god's goodness is even more keenly present we gain salvation out of god's goodness not because we did something not because we were good enough to earn his salvation we gain salvation because of what god did for us god you see through jesus jesus's life death and resurrection paid our debt that we owed out of God's goodness. And so we can have salvation, eternal life, heaven, because of God's goodness. When we choose to love God in response to His love for us by following Jesus, we get the opportunity to see God's goodness even more. And at the end of our life, 
At the end of our life, for the Christ follower, we don't have a debt to pay on our own. Because as I said, Jesus already paid for that. And so we have nothing bad to be looking forward to at that point. The biblical writers repeatedly talk about how it is that God pours out His blessings on those who love Him. How it is that He takes special delight in those people who are His. It's kind of like, if you remember when you had kids, or if you still got, um, you know, say, elementary kids at home, how it is that uh, if the neighbor kids came over or their friends came over, how, as a parent, you would be good to those kids. Your kids, though, got better treatment. Your kids got all the good stuff. They got all the Christmas presents and the birthday presents. They got the, the, the meals on a regular basis, the bed, the uh, roof over their head, and on and on and on. They're the ones who got the cuddles and the snugs. And they're the ones who got the hugs from us. Oh, the neighbor kids may get some of that, but it's nothing compared with what the parent gives their child. You see, the same is true in our relationship with God. When we love God in response to His love for us, we, we come to God through Jesus and choose to follow Him, well, then God treats us similarly. Actually, better. Much better. He gives us the good stuff. His goodness is seen by all, but His people get the good stuff, both now and later. And God has shown throughout history that He is completely good, especially to those who love Him. You know, this past week, I finally got around to watching the movie Batman vs. Superman. I, I really don't know why I waited. I wasn't overly impressed with it, but this isn't a movie critique. I just wanted to throw this one little bit out. There was one thing that jumped out at me. It was when um, Superman was talking to Lex Luthor. And Lex Luthor, there on the rooftop, he gave an incorrect explanation about God. His perspective on God was highly flawed. He said that he came to the conclusion because of events in his life that God could not, that it was impossible for God to be all good and all powerful. That if God was all powerful, then he couldn't be all good because of the bad stuff that happened in his life. And if God was all good, then he couldn't be all powerful because of the bad stuff that happened in his life. I would say that he was very flawed in his perspective. I understand he's a fictitious character. I got that. But you understand where I'm going here. God is both all good and all powerful. You see, as we talked about before, when we looked at God's goodness, how we cannot base our understanding of what good is based on our own perspectives. God is the standard for good. And when we try to determine who God is based on our perspectives, well, we come to an incorrect conclusion, as Lex Luthor did. But God is all-powerful and all-good. God is always good all the time because God is faithful. This is the reality. And God reveals His faithfulness in that constant goodness, even in those times that it doesn't feel like God is being good. Further, God's blessings are for His people for all time. Sometimes we get the incorrect perspective that God's blessings are for somebody else, somewhere else, maybe even sometime else. And that God's blessings aren't really for here now. That God doesn't really work miracles anymore. And let me just tell you, God is still the miracle-working God. God has not changed in that. God is faithful. God does not change. God's blessings 
are still for here and now. And it's just like, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, how was that Jesus went into some towns and there were some places where he couldn't perform miracles? It wasn't that Jesus was lacking power. That as we, we learned, the reason why he couldn't perform miracles in some places was because they didn't believe that God worked that way anymore. You see, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes the reason we don't see God at work in the miracle working business it's because of us we've forgotten that god is faithful that god doesn't change that god still works as he always has worked that god is the same god today as he has always been and instead we take on what aw tozer had described and he said that sometimes we have as much of god as we want sometimes we only want that much god and the result of only having that much god Sometimes we don't see God at work around us. That maybe, maybe what needs to happen is maybe we need to draw closer to God. Maybe what needs to happen is we need to realize we're the ones who have drifted from God. God didn't change. We're the ones who have changed, changed direction, changed how we're living. I don't know what it would be, but sometimes that is the case. And in those times, what we have to do is we have to remember that no matter what, God is always faithful. He is. He doesn't change. He still gives His blessings. He still does amazing things. If we're not seeing God's blessings in our lives, if we're not seeing His activity in our life, then maybe what we need to start doing is pursuing Him more. In the book of James in the New Testament, James wrote that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. So here's what I would say. If you're not seeing God actively at work in your life, even to today, if you're not seeing God at work, I would say this, draw near to God. Start drawing nearer to God. Start pursuing God more. Because God doesn't change. Maybe the reason that you're not seeing God working is because you've changed. Draw, draw closer to him. See what happens. You might not get what it is that you were hoping for, but I guarantee God will bless you in ways that you may be never even thought of. See, God is faithful. He hasn't changed. And finally, God, God is faithful to lead you toward where it is that he created you to be. God didn't save us and then just drop us and say, have fun at it. Good luck. I hope you get there. That's not how God worked. That's not how He works. God doesn't just save us and then run off. God, God created us and He has promised to complete what it is that He started. Philippians 1.6 Paul wrote these words to the church there. Being confident of this that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God created us for so much more than the messes that we see of life. He created us for so much more than the junk that we often find cl cluttering up and filling up our life and the lives of those around us. He created us for better than that. Sometimes, sometimes we find ourselves in those messes because we're the ones who are going in the wrong direction. God created us to love Him and to love others. It's what we were made for. But each time that we choose to live in ways that do not align with that 
that understanding don't line up with who God really is. That we, don't, we, we behave and do things in ways that are not loving God and loving others. We create the messes in our life. And we show the reality that we are fallen human beings. But for Christians, in Christ, we are now new creations. God, you see, has given us a new nature. Our old nature before turning to Christ was one that was bent on going against God, was bent on doing all the stuff that God said don't do, bent on living a life that was not about loving Him and loving others. But in Christ, God gave us a new nature. And now we're no longer held into captivity of living that way. Now God helps us to live in ways that are loving toward others and are loving toward Him. Our old life was a life about self. The new one is a life about God. When you love Jesus, God helps you. He gives you a new nature that is for Him. It's based on who He is. About being loving and good and gracious. About helping the people around us. It's The new nature is like His character. Even more. God is on the inside of believers helping them to make that life become a reality. Because God is faithful, He will finish what it is that He started. God is faithful to those who choose Him. Another category of people. For the person who has chosen Christ, but their faith is wavering. Maybe they're struggling in some things. Maybe they're, they're having difficulties or questions even. Let me just tell you this. God is faithful. God is faithful. God will always be faithful to His people. And here's the cool part. Don't miss this. Even when we are faithless. This is the God that we follow. He is that faithful. Paul was encouraging his young protege, Timothy, uh, about a great many things in, in, in the book of uh, Timothy. Second uh, Timothy specifically. And in the middle of some encouragements, Paul had this to say to him. Second Timothy 2.13 He said, If we are faithless, He, that is God, remains faithful. Talk about an encouragement there. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. Because God is faithful, God won't deny Himself. Remember, if you're a Christian, you were bought at a price. Jesus' death was the price that was paid for you. You're His. He's not going to deny Himself. He's going to take care of things. He's going to be faithful to you. That's a guarantee. He'll remain faithful to Christians even when we choose an errant path. Even when we choose things that go against God. Like I said, talk about a relief. I mean, how much greater can you get than that? I don't know about you, but I know myself. I know that one too many times I have been faithless. I know this to be a reality. I'm not fooling anybody. I, I know this. I know that there have been too many times that God has said, do this, and I have said in one way or another, I don't think so. I know that there have been times that I have behaved less than loving towards somebody. I know that there have been times that I have done what I know I should not have done or not done what I know I should have done. I know that I have been less than God's character. I know 
I have chosen to be faithless at times. I know this to be a reality. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're better than me. Maybe you haven't done that. Maybe you haven't been faithless. If you have, please come talk to me because I want to learn from you. Because I know myself. You see, Paul was telling Timothy that when we are faithless, God will be faithful. God will be faithful even when we aren't. To understand God's faithfulness toward Christians, we need to understand about faith a little bit more and what it is and what it is not. You see, faith is about loving God. Faith is about loving God. It's not about perfection. It's not about being sinless. Faith is about loving God. Faith is not about obeying all the rules to be saved. As a matter of fact, we obey the rules because of our love for God. We don't obey the rules to earn something. Obeying the rules are because of our love for God. So living for God, trying to be that person that God created us to be, it is about the core of what faith is about. That is loving God and loving others. So for people to experience God's faithfulness, as Paul was talking about here, they need to love God. If we love God, you see, our life will be aimed Godward. It'll be pointed toward Him. And like I said, it won't be that we will be sinless. Sorry, that just won't happen this side of heaven. But rather, as a Christian, the longer that you are a Christian, well, our lives should be about, should, we, should see, we should see ourselves sinning less. Not becoming sinless, but sinning less. If your faith is wavering. Paul had more words of encouragement for, for Timothy and for us. He went on there in that same passage, 2 Timothy 2.13, where he said, if, if we are faithless, God is faithful. And here it is, for He cannot disown Himself. If you are struggling with doubt in your relationship with God, if you're struggling with doubt in faith, remember that God will not disown Himself. He will remain faithful. Even even if we're not. We were bought by Jesus, by His life, death, and resurrection. And since we are now His, He won't disown His own. So trust God. Trust God to be faithful because, because He is faithful. He will be faithful to you even if your faith wavers. Even if you've got humongous questions that you just can't figure out the answers to. Trust me, God is faithful. Talk with Him more. Talk with Him more. Spend more time in, in His Word, in the Bible, discovering more of what He is like. Because through that, you will discover more of who God is and He will show you His love for you. And from that, from that, your life will be changed. Trust God. He's faithful. He'll help you, help you to get through whatever it is that you are going through. God is faithful, you see, to those whose faith is wavering. One last category of people I want to talk to this morning. And this is to those who believe, but they struggle with sin. Let me just tell you this. God is faithful. John wrote this in 1 John 1, verses 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Believers, God will not reject you because you've sinned. God will not reject you because you have sinned. John made it quite clear here for us that if we, if we realize that we are sinning, God will forgive us. But if we think that we have not sinned, if we think that we have reached sinlessness, then we're really lying and we're claiming God is a liar as well. God is faithful. All people sin, even believers. This is a reality for us. And John gave us simple instructions on what to do here. He gave us simple instructions on when we realize, when we come to understand more about our sinfulness. John said it quite simply, confess it to God. In other words, admit with God. Admit with God that we did not live according to His character. We didn't live like His character. But we chose to put ourselves first instead of God. Admit with Him that reality. And for the times that we can't remember our specific sins, if you remember your specific sin, admit that with God. But if you can't remember specific sins, then would admit with God the reality of the attitude that we have that so often is away from God. That we choose contrary to God. The reality is we all sin. But God is faithful. And He promised here that He will forgive our sins because He is faithful. So if you're struggling in sin, start by admitting it with God. Trust in His faithfulness. Also, remember, God is faithful and will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Paul, uh, writing to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know, we might be tempted to think that our situation is unique. That somehow the temptations we face are greater than anybody else's temptations. That somehow what we go through is worse than what other people go through. Paul here was making a very uh, a very. A pointed reality statement is that everybody, every human being, we, all, we are all tempted. We all struggle with things that God says not to do. Nothing is new for us. Whatever it is that you face, it isn't something new. It isn't something harder than what other people face. Every single human being is tempted. And when we give in to that temptation, it isn't because the temptation for us was harder. It's because we chose to give in to it. And trust me, I understand that's a difficult pill to swallow. To accept that we have chosen to give in to temptation. Giving in to temptation is our choice. You see, God is faithful. He provides the way out of our situations, our temptations. God knows how we work. He understands that. And He doesn't want us to pursue a life that is not in line with His character. He wants us to love Him and to love others. And so God helps us. He helps us to be what it is that we need to be. 
He provides the way out. So what we need to do is the next time that you find yourself being tempted to do what God said not to do, this is what we have to do. We have to look for how it is that God is leading us out of that temptation. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as He shows you the way out of that situation. Follow God. Lean into His faithfulness. God is faithful to the believers who are struggling in sin. He forgives them, and He continually helps them to overcome those things that they're struggling with by providing the way out. You see, God is faithful. This is a reality that believers can find tremendously comforting. But for the person who has not yet chosen to to follow Christ, that is something terrifying. That God is faithful. If you're here today and you haven't yet chosen to follow Christ, I ask again, why not? God is faithful. He will hold us accountable if we want to try to stand before Him on our own. He will hold us accountable for our life at the end of our life. But let me give you some encouragement. God is faithful. And if you will choose to follow Him, if you will choose to respond to His love for you and begin that process of following Him, God will help you. And at the end of our time, we won't have to stand before God on our own. But instead, we'll stand before God through Jesus and what it is that He did for us. God, you see, is faithful. So if you're here today and you have already chosen to follow Christ, let me tell you, God is faithful. He will help you through your situations you're facing. He will help you to overcome those things that you struggle with. He will help you when you're struggling with understanding and believing Him. Trust me, God is faithful. He will never stop being what He already is. God is faithful.